0: Welcome to Silicon Valley Trends, a free podcast series published by Silicon Valley Business School. I'm your host, David Smith. At Silicon Valley Business School, we provide affordable, real-world, online business education to everyone everywhere and guide entrepreneurs towards success with their startup ventures. Now, if you're an innovator and an entrepreneur, and you dedicate a large chunk of your life to creating new products and technologies... What do you do if you find that counterfeit copies of your product are being manufactured overseas and they're being shipped into the US via the boatload? Let's say the manufacturers are located thousands of miles outside of US waters and the offending products are being sold through e-commerce and retail channels to customers in the US. If you hold patents, trade secrets or trademarks that are being infringed, you can take the infringers to federal court. But you can't get the overseas manufacturers into federal court in the United States. And the courts don't really like cases against retailers. So where can you go to stop these illegal imports cannibalizing your sales revenues? The answer is to file a complaint with the International Trade Commission, often referred to as the ITC. Formed in 1916 and headquartered in Washington, D.C., the International Trade Commission is a federal agency tasked with protecting American domestic industries from foreign unfair competition connected to imports into the United States. Unfair acts can comprise a wide range of claims, with patent infringement the most common. ITC exclusion orders prevent the import of goods connected to unfair acts. ITC cease and desist orders prevent the sale and distribution of goods connected to unfair acts faster than virtually any other forum in the world ITC cases have expedited schedules from the complaint discovery pre-trial hearings trial and post-trial briefs to subsequent review by the commission the case is usually wrapped up within 12 to 18 months ITC actions are not stayed for inter-party reviews or IPRs where the defendant or an agent acting on behalf of the defendant petitions the Patent and Trial Appeals Board at the US Patent and Trademark Office to declare the patent invalid. So unlike cases in federal court defendants are not able to delay the case through the filing of these IPRs. At the ITC summary judgment is rare and a large number of the patent cases go to trial, all in front of an administrative law judge. There's no jury as there would be with a federal court case. Although the ITC cannot award monetary damages, it can bar infringing products from entry into the United States by issuing exclusion orders and cease and desist orders against named importers, which are enforced by U.S. Customs and Border Protection. A general exclusion order would exclude any infringing products from any manufacturer coming into the United States. A limited exclusion order would block specific products from identified manufacturers and a cease and desist order would prohibit the sale, transfer or marketing of infringing products. While an ITC investigation can be used instead of a district court action, it can also be a powerful complement to a conventional patent litigation in federal district court. Bringing ITC action alongside federal court action can be most effective in gaining leverage to encourage infringers to buy a patent license. Although the ITC simply controls what shipments are allowed into the country and cannot force an importer to pay you a royalty. When you have the imports blocked and shipping containers filled with infringing products turned away at the ports, you have a strong negotiating position with infringers who will likely be anxious to buy a license in order to reopen the supply channels. When you provide the Customs and Border Protection Team with a copy of a license you've granted to the infringer, representing your approval to allow the goods into the United States, they will immediately release the restriction and allow products to flow through the ports. An ITC patent case goes through several phases. The first phase involves preparing the complaint, gathering evidence of infringement and evidence of the import of infringing products. The second phase involves having experts prepare reports showing that infringement is taking place. Then there's the pre-trial phase When witnesses are prepared, evidence is discovered by each side and pre-trial motions presented to the court. The trial is held in the ITC's base in Washington, D.C. It's important for petitioners to show that the ITC will be acting in the interest of the American public by granting the exclusion orders and cease and desist orders. Unlike federal court cases, the bulk of the work and legal fees associated with an ITC case are incurred in the initial phase where the complaint in a federal court is short and concise, the complaint filed with the ITC needs to be supported with lots of evidence, which takes time and money to gather. An ITC case is somewhat front-loaded from the perspective of the litigation attorneys. As a US government agency, their is a domestic industry requirement you need to meet when bringing a case before the ITC. You have to show that your business has made substantial investments in the United States into activities such as plant, equipment, labor, research, development and engineering. And this often involves showing the investment of capital. Of course, it's easier for large corporations with thousands of US employees to show that substantial investments have been made into a domestic industry that will be harmed by the imports. But the ITC is not restricted to large corporations. There have been cases where small companies have won ITC exclusion orders. In a recent case, the ITC determined that there is a reasonable indication. That American cabinetry manufacturers are being harmed by the imports of wooden cabinets and vanities. This case was not centered on patent infringement, but it's interesting because it was brought by an alliance of American kitchen cabinet makers comprising more than 45 companies. So, smaller US companies can sometimes group together in order to bring a case at the ITC. There's no minimum financial expenditure necessary to meet the requirement for a substantial investment in the domestic industry. And the ITC does not follow a rigid formula when considering cases. So small companies can bring their own suits. The ITC granted an exclusion order blocking the import of a counterfeit version of a rubber band crafting kit called Rainbow Loom that was designed and manufactured by a small startup family held company in Michigan. Counterfeit copies of Rainbow Loom were blocked at the ports by the Customs and Border Protection following an exclusion order issued by the ITC. With patent litigation in federal court now so loaded in favor of the infringer, many innovators are turning to the ITC to assert their patent rights and cases have increased in recent years. Unlike several federal district courts that are trying to deter patent cases, the ITC welcomes cases and is looking to gear up to protect U.S. companies from illegal imports in future. Now let's talk to Tom Fasoni, an experienced patent litigator and founder of the Inventors First law firm. Tom has litigated some of the most substantial consumer electronics and telecommunications cases that have come before the ITC. Hey, Tom, I hear there have been some recent cases that have changed the landscape when it comes to ITC actions. Uh, is it true that you no longer need to manufacture a product practicing your patented invention in order to satisfy the domestic industry requirement and that research and development activities can be sufficient?
1: Yes, David, there, there have been recent rulings by the International Trade Commission Administrative law judges that have come out, um, for example, a uh, complainant, which is uh, the equivalent of a plaintiff in the International Trade Commission, can rely on its licensees uh, to prove up uh, the economic prong of domestic industry. Uh, through significant investments and in equipment research and development by the licensee. So the complaining itself does not necessarily have to have a domestic industry, uh, so to speak, on its own. It doesn't have to practice the invention, uh, doesn't have to produce the product. Um, that's, that's what the, the recent decisions seem to be leaning towards
0: all right so that seems to um bring me on to the next question about non-practicing entities these are companies that uh, are not um actually selling products with um their inventions but more dedicated patent licensing companies and these uh, have been restricted from bringing itc actions in the past because they don't make or market products featuring the patent inventions but is it true that the door has been opened somewhat slightly for these non-practicing entities?
1: Yes, David, I believe that 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 statement does hold some truth in the sense that recent rulings out of the ITC, one in particular, uh, the Silicon Genesis Corporation investigation before uh, administrative law judge Joan McNamara uh, that's a great example of where the ITC found domestic industry met by a non practicing entity based on its licensee's activities, including significant investments in equipment, research, and development. In that case, the licensee was Sun Edison Semiconductor. So, the ITC has long recognized that a licensee's activities can be used to satisfy the domestic industry requirement. That ruling does, in fact, appear to open the door wider to NPEs by providing a potential backdoor to the ITC.
0: All right. So, if I understand this correctly, then, the pan holder could be just purely a licensing company. And when it goes to the ITC, it says, well, you know, we haven't actually a huge domestic industry ourselves. We don't have hundreds of employees uh, making products or anything like this, but our licensees do. and We've licensed our patents to these companies and that uh, activity of the licensees has been sufficient to um, support a case at the ITC. Is that right?
1: That is Correct.
0: So what would you say, Tom, to a company considering uh, asserting their patents uh, via the ITC rather than going through the federal district court? I know you've had experience of both. It'd be just interesting to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the ITC is um, obviously a different venue. It is not a a federal court um, venue where you have a jury. The case is brought before an administrative law judge. The cases uh, move quite quickly. Usually they are resolved within 12 to 18 months from the point of filing to a decision. There are no juries, as I mentioned. Also, there's a third party investigator involved, which represents the Office of Unfair Import Investigations. So. You have a staff attorney as a third party in your action, where is in a traditional federal court setting, you would have a plaintiff and defendant or a plaintiff and defendants, but you actually have a government representative vis-a-vis this attorney. Some other differences, pretty basic ones, but actually pretty significant. Hearsay is permitted in the ITC the federal rules of evidence don't apply. The ITC has its own administrative rules. Um, Also, the federal rules of civil procedure don't apply. So, for example, the amount of discovery is potentially much higher than it would be in a federal district court. Another big difference uh, in the ITC from a federal court um, proceeding is that the post-administrative hearing Briefing is a lot more extensive and that each of the ALJs have very different procedures. So it's very critical to know the specific procedures of your judge, given that there aren't overarching rules like in the federal court system where you've got obviously the federal rules of evidence and the federal rules of civil procedure. So in that sense, um, and obviously, as you as you touched on earlier um, in this podcast, you are looking for uh, there are no monetary damages. Um, you're going to seek an injunction against importation of illegally manufactured goods from a foreign entity into the United States. Um, and so it's 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 definitely a. Um, another way that the patent holder can protect its rights.
0: Right. And um, so I I guess we can expect to see uh, continued growth in cases at the ITC in the coming years.
1: I think that's a true statement. I think that we're going to see some uptick in the number of cases. Uh, I mean, the fact that, that these recent rulings where NPEs are relying on their licensees activities uh were found sufficient to establish um the domestic industry requirement i think that's a a signal that we will be seeing more cases uh before the itc and different uh types of plaintiffs before the itc
0: right okay well thanks again tom for for this and um uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be calling on you in future for other questions we have on courses on um, cases and uh, podcasts dealing with the uh, patent litigation before the ITC federal courts and anywhere else.
1: Thank you very much, David. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, speaking on other issues in the future.
0: Okay. All right. Thanks very much, Tom. Well, I can tell you that from the perspective of a patent broker. We're seeing a lot more interest in the ITC these days. Investors are taking control of US companies with strong patent portfolios when they can see the opportunity for ITC actions, and litigators are increasingly looking to the ITC to assert patent rights now that the odds are stacked against patent holders in the US federal courts. You'll find more information on ITC actions and other issues pertaining to patent assertion in our Patent Strategies course, on the Silicon Valley Business School website. The Silicon Valley Trends podcast called Patenting by Numbers explains the costs of bringing an ITC action based on a patent infringement claim, as well as lots of other statistics that you might find useful. You might also like to check the ITC's own website at usitc.gov, where you'll find a wealth of information. As usual, you're welcome to join me in my Silicon Valley Business School chat room where I can answer questions and help you monetize your patents and navigate your startup towards success. I hope you'll join us for future podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe so you get new episodes as and when they're released. And please rate us in your podcast player as this will help us get the word out to entrepreneurs and the other people we're trying to help with this podcast series such as Inventors. That's it for today. Hope you tune in to the next Silicon Valley Trends, a podcast for innovators and entrepreneurs.